Despite the tremendous conflict in Iraq, there have been many medical miracles. How did the United States Marine Corps and one of their battlefield surgeons change the life of an Iraqi family? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School. And our guest today is Dr. Carla Christian, Associate Professor and Associate Chief of Pediatric Cardiac Surgery at Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Christian recently performed surgery to correct a congenital heart defect in a young Iraqi girl found by Marines amid the ongoing conflict in Iraq and brought to the United States for care. Welcome, Dr. Christian. Thank you for having me. Today we are discussing the lead-up to complex open-heart surgery for this young Iraqi girl. Dr. Christian, how was this little girl discovered in Iraq? Amina was discovered by Marines on a routine patrol in her hometown in Iraq when they were out doing standard operating procedures. It's my understanding that the mother brought the little two-year-old girl to the soldiers because the child was very blue and the mother was concerned that her child would not live much longer. And when you say very blue, what do you mean? Well, Amina has a heart defect that makes her cyanotic, and so her appearance is very dusky skin. She also has abnormally shaped fingers and toes, which we refer to as clubbing. Was this recognized by the doctors in Iraq? Well, the soldiers could tell clearly this was an ill-appearing child, and so they took the child and the mother to one of the field surgeons. And then what happened? Well, the field surgeon that Amina was examined by was one of Vanderbilt's hypertension specialists, Dr. John Nadeau. He acts as a field surgeon in Iraq where he is working with the Marines. Now, he's at Vanderbilt University, but he is in Iraq as well? Yes, he's actually on his second tour of duty in Iraq, where he functions as a field surgeon and takes care of the soldiers and also the Iraqi people, taking care of whatever medical issues arise for both the civilians and the military personnel. And what happened when he saw this child? He emailed me and told me he had identified a child that was very blue with clubbing and a heart murmur, and he was concerned this child might possibly have tetralogy of Fallot. Now, did he have the ability there in Iraq to do an echocardiogram or anything like that? From the information he gave me, which was very limited, I can best determine that he did not have access to a chest X-ray or any blood tests, but basically just the physical examination. So what did he tell the family? What did he tell you? What were his plans? His plans were to try to get the child, with the help of the Marines and the State Department, if he could get the child to me in Nashville at Vanderbilt, we'd be willing to care for the child and presumably operate on the child at no charge in order to attempt to save the child's life. How do the Iraqi people feel about having one of their own going overseas to the United States for surgery? Well, obviously, I can't speak to that question entirely, but it was my impression that the family was willing to proceed based on what Dr. Nadeau had conveyed to me. So what kind of logistics did you have to do to get this young child to the United States? The Marines, under the direction of Major Gerard, who I believe is out of Gainesville, Georgia, was able to raise funds through private donations of their family and friends and other Marine Corps personnel raise money to allow for this child to be transported through Iraq, both by ground and by air, to the Jordanian border. 
once they crossed into Jordan, then they were able to take private airlines from Jordan to Chicago and then from Chicago to Nashville. How long did this whole process take? It took approximately 24 hours to get from her hometown in Iraq to Nashville, Tennessee. And what about all the preparations for getting the funds? Well, the money was raised, as I mentioned, through private donations. Unfortunately, when you're a private citizen, you're not allowed to travel and fly with the military because we looked into that as a possible way of transporting the patient, but that's not allowed, apparently. Now, did she receive any medical care in Iraq at all? No, we did send a pediatric paramedic from the Tennessee area with a nurse to go and accompany her from the Jordanian border back to Nashville. But I mean, in Iraq itself, did she have Iraqi doctors make this diagnosis? No, it's my understanding that she was receiving daily oxygen treatments, but that's not really therapeutic for her underlying cardiac problem. It doesn't really change anything. And how old was she? She's just over two years old. And so was this something that was very difficult to organize logistically? It took us approximately four months to get the funds raised and to get the State Department, their assistance with visas and passports with the Iraqi government to make it possible for her to travel outside of Iraq and then into the United States. So it took a moderate amount of time to get the funds and the legal documents in place. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Carla Christian, associate professor and associate chief of pediatric cardiac surgery at the Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University. We are discussing the lead-up to complex open-heart surgery for a young Iraqi girl. Dr. Christian, were there difficulties in her flying on a commercial flight to the United States considering her medical condition? While we didn't have a true diagnosis of ominous medical condition, the working diagnosis was tetralogistolo, so we made plans for her to travel with oxygen for a period of approximately 24 hours. Additionally, we sent with the paramedic that would travel with her morphine for sedation, and IV fluids for hydration in the event that that was necessary. Could you review for one second, what is Tetralogy of Fallot? Tetralogy of Fallot is a group of cardiac anomalies consisting of four main components. The first is a VSD, which is a hole in the heart in the ventricular septum. The second is right ventricular outflow tract obstruction, which typically is valvar or subvalvar pulmonary stenosis, and that's what typically causes these children to be blue depending on the degree of pulmonary obstruction and decreased pulmonary blood flow. The third component is right ventricular hypertrophy, and you get right ventricular hypertrophy or or thickening due to the pulmonary outflow tract obstruction. And then the last component is aortic override, and what that means is just that your aorta comes off more rightward than normal. Instead of coming off the left ventricle entirely, it's shifted more rightward. The two major components, really, that I think of it is just the VSD and the right ventricular outflow tract obstruction. Those are the two that we need to fix surgically. Now, Dr. Christian, how did you get involved? I mean, I know this surgeon in Iraq was from Vanderbilt. Do you work with the surgeon? How did he choose you? What are the circumstances? Well, I've been at Vanderbilt for 20 years, and Dr. Nadeau has been at Vanderbilt, I would estimate, 30 to 35 years. And so I've known Dr. Nadeau for the past 20 years. He emailed me back in October with the information on this child, and he knows that I'm a pediatric cardiac surgeon, and he asked if I would 
go through the administrative process and gaining approval for this child to have an operation at Vanderbilt and then go ahead and do the operation if we could get the child here. By the way, how was that process getting the free care at Vanderbilt and all the medical staff involved in the pre- and post-operative arrangements? How did you sort that out? Well, getting the physician's participation is always very easy, obviously, as you can imagine. The only small bump in the road is just getting the administration to sign off, but that actually went very smoothly in this case as well. Well, how did you do that? Just filling out paperwork and trying to get information. In this case, it was a little more difficult because we didn't have much information at all about this child's actual diagnosis, so it was a little harder to estimate length of stay and get an estimate of the total estimated cost for this child's care. What was that, by the way? I just made up numbers because I, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't really guess what it was. I just guessed low, and in the end, I was wrong with the diagnosis, so my guesses didn't mean much. But fortunately, the child has done well. Now, the plan was to complete the surgery and have the child go back to Iraq, yes? Correct. And did the child come with their mother? Yes, she traveled with her mother and then with the paramedic and the nurse, as I mentioned. But her mother was the only other family member that traveled with her. And they landed in Nashville? They landed in Nashville on a Wednesday evening and then came to our clinic the next morning, Thursday morning, very tired. And where did the mother stay? Did she stay at the hospital with the child? Yes, she's really never left her daughter's side the entire time that they've been in the United States. She's very devoted to her child. Dr. Christian, how did you communicate with the mother and the child? Well, we're very fortunate to have an excellent group of interpreters, both within the Vanderbilt interpretation system, but also we have an Iraqi population here in Nashville, so we've had good access to many interpreters. Did you have any uh, political ramifications, or did any government officials contact you just because you're operating on an Iraqi child and had this whole scenario? Actually, the ambassador from Iraq visited Vanderbilt Children's Hospital Shortly after Amina was admitted, we actually had to admit her the day that we saw her in clinic, her first day in Nashville. When we admitted her for evaluation, she was critically ill, and it required admission to intensive care. How was she critically ill? She was very, very blue and very listless and required admission to the intensive care for fluids, for blood transfusion, for oxygen, and then for further evaluation and workup. Did she require intubation? No, she did not require intubation, but she did require oxygen. The level of medical care to the mother must be just astonishing compared to what she's used to in Iraq. I think there's no comparison for what they're used to receiving in Iraq. How did she respond to that? She is very appreciative, I think, for all we have done for her and for her child. And how did you finally make the diagnosis that this was not Tetralogia Fellow? The day that we first saw Amina, we did a surface echo of her heart to get the basic anatomy. Now, what is a surface echo? A surface echo is an echo where we do an ultrasound of the heart, essentially, and at that point, we determined that she did not have Tetralogy of Fallot, but in fact, a more complicated heart problem, something that we call congenitally corrected transposition of the great arteries, although one of her ventricles was too small. In this case, we would say it was the leftward right ventricle, and in simple terms, what it meant was we needed to treat this as a single ventricle heart because she didn't have two adequate pumping chambers to work as a two-ventricle heart long-term. Additionally, her chest x-ray demonstrated that she had dextrocardia, meaning that her apex of her heart points into her right chest. If you are to put up her chest x-ray, it looks like you put it up backwards when you look at her chest x-ray. So that made it just 
a little more complicated in terms of thinking about the operation, depending on what operation we were going to do. So her heart was backwards in her chest, and she didn't have tetralogy, and she had an operation that was going to be a bigger operation than the tetralogy that we thought she would have. Plus, she was much more critically ill than what we had hoped she would be when she arrived. So all this meant a bigger workup and a bigger evaluation before we would operate on her. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Carla Christian. We have been discussing the lead-up to complex open-heart surgery for this young Iraqi girl. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at www.reachmd.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.